1: This is the 19th tee, Kieran Marsh, Nathan, Drudy, back with you for another week. One of our favorite weeks of the year, Drudster, where we wrap up uh, Riv, Riviera, unashamedly both of our favorite course on the PGA Tour. First and foremost, though, I need to know off the very top, my friend, are you going to issue an official apology to Max Homer? I already (laughs) have. Golfer, you said... I believe just a few short weeks ago, um, needed to spend less time on Twitter because he wasn't even that funny and more time concentrating on his golf.
0: Yeah, well, I, I still, I still stand by that, <laughs> but I did issue an apology to Max this morning uh, as I was watching. I mean, Jesus, he nearly blew it though. I, I had it prepared um, as he lined up that three footer on eighteen, and then I had to delete it all. Um, but yes, I do issue an apology. To so Max, uh, obviously, I've I've let my friends and and family and the the sponsors of this podcast down, um, and I can
1: uh, say that well, it's well, I haven't really have I let you down. I mean, you not you, really, you've t- because t- to be <laughs> fair, Dreads, we were in a position where we we're probably going to have to issue an apology either way because shit we've laid into Tony Finau as well of of late. I know. So, irrespective of who won that playoff this morning. Uh, we were going to be in a position of apologizing tonight, so I'm just glad it's you rather than yes. me because I probably would have been the lead apologet for, for Tony Feeney had he <laughs> got, uh, got up today.
0: I think so, but uh, no, look, it was a um, uh, congratulations to him. Yes, I do apologize. I think I said that he was one of the most overrated players on tour, um, given the amount of media attention that the guy gets for for someone who at the time had one win, which I think was justified, but uh, look, fantastic to, to see him win, and obviously one that meant. A great deal to him as we'll get into this evening
1: that and plenty more but before we do druids as is tradition we crack open a beer and toast max homer's victory at the riv thanks to our friends at gage roads brewing company wa's premier independent brewery for more than 15 years named after the strip of ocean that separates rock nest and free A strip of ocean my friend that you are quite familiar with uh, this was. past weekend, with the the traditional rot nest swim, you weren't uh, swimming, thank goodness, because no. you'd probably still be going. Yep. Uh, you were paddling. How, how have you, how's the body pulled up from uh, from the time on the kayak? Look, um, it
0: was. I was a little sore yesterday, but managed to get to the range just to to loosen the muscles out. But it was, uh, yeah, it was quite a phenomenal day Saturday. I, um, I'm sure um, for those familiar with the rotto swim or who had some connection to it this year, you'll know that the conditions were absolutely dreadful. Um, my girlfriend and her three best mates were doing it. Um, they got 17 or 16.8 kilometers of the way before the race was called off 16.8 kilometers of a 19.7 kilometer swim. Um, they were devastated. Uh, understandably it was, uh, I was on the kayak. Um, you know, I wasn't the one swimming the race, but a phenomenal effort, um, from, from those four girls. To, to get that far, um, and it was uh, a heartbreaking day to see them all so distraught as they were pulled from the water, but um, I'm sure they'll be back out there next year in hopefully better conditions because they were dreadful on Saturday, Marshy, dreadful.
1: That's all I've read in the last couple of days, and, and that, uh, that, that patch of water can be treacherous at the best of times on a clear day, let alone uh, in, in trying conditions, so I can only imagine what you faced and what Ames and the girls face. I'm sure uh, you, Ames, uh, the other three girls, and probably everyone else involved in the swim uh, sunk a couple of gauge roads afterwards. You, yeah, you, bet,
0: you bet we did on the boat on the way back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, after after everything that we went through. What beer have you got in your hand today? Have you gone the Pipe Dreams again?
1: I haven't, actually. Well I've, uh, look, you know, we, we've we just about wrapped up the West Coast Swing of the PGA Tour, and I was feeling a little fruity. The summer ale, the single thing I've gone with this week. <laughs>
0: I've gone the pipe dream, so we've switched things up. I mean, I just, feel, I just feel like Max Homer would be a big lager guy. Don't know why. Just get that vibe.
1: Yeah, from everything I've seen, read, watched, and listened to, does love a cold beer, mm. does Max. I'm sure he's had plenty. Who doesn't? The last five or six hours. Uh, we will get to to his victory in just a moment, Drew. It's a couple of issues of housekeeping right at the very top.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We thought we'd throw this at the front, uh, of course. The usual social uh, plug for us, if you could go and give us a follow and obviously on your your podcast services, give us a rate and a subscribe and a review. Thank you to everyone who has done it. I've seen a heap come through in the last few weeks, which has been amazing. Um, And, of course, we still have the shirts uh, available um, and the caps are not far away. And we have a very good list of caps uh, or people who have uh, pre-ordered caps. If you'd like to join that list and avoid disappointment, please send us a message on Instagram or Facebook or However, you'd like to get in contact with us, but there aren't many of the hats left. We do have some shirts left, which is exciting. So um, get those in, get those orders in. We've seen a few uh, posted out and people sharing the love on social, which has been great.
1: Well, Drew, sir, into it. Speaking of uh, messages on social uh, media, we do have a bunch of questions as well yeah. to work our way through uh, this evening. Ironically, none about our winner. Uh, to, to my knowledge we've awful lot one. about we've the many one. beat in the playoff. Oh we've we do have one about max yeah, yeah. why don't we oh, lead off with the one about max we've got a couple all right let's
0: start here um ramdog 83 is max is max the people's champ
1: uh it's it's hard to argue because well no i i would suggest no if you want to nominate one people's champ i would suggest that the manner in which um the golf world Collectively turned on and tuned in to Jordan Spieth at uh, at Phoenix would suggest that if there's one person collectively that that the golf community pulls for to win it would be Jordan. But I would say that Max has um, every man appeal. He, yeah. to your point, he's incredibly popular across social media. spends an awful lot of his time there. He, uh, I think, was a regular. Um, on a number of uh, very popular golf podcasts not this one yet um, but in terms of those who've pioneered the way on golf podcasts i speak of course of the likes of the no laying up guys uh fried egg and Andy johnston you know a number of appearances on those before building his own podcast with shane mm. bacon so very accessible uh, very relatable and i think a lot of people see themselves in max so from that sense yes the people's champion and, and i think an incredibly popular winner today droods
0: yeah I I, I I agree with you i think he's was immensely popular. I mean, it was it, it was hard. I mean, I know we're going to get into a, into a, in a little bit, but um, I I w- I was disappointed with the way that it finished. I was disappointed with Finau losing, and I would have been equally disappointed with Homer losing. Like, mm. I, it it was a really tough position I think for golf fans to be in today. I, I mean, I know how much this tournament meant to Max Homer, so that I was probably maybe 52% Homer, 48% Finau. And um, I mean, I went up and down on that scale very, very, a a lot throughout (laughs) throughout the last couple of hours this morning. But um, uh, the the second question from Dan M. Was Homer just the better player on the day or did Finau fail to execute again?
1: I, so uh, I'm glad we kind of got to this early because we've spoken a lot about Tony Finau's uh, propensity to be the bridesmaid and never the bride. Yeah. Um, you know, he adds again uh, to the list of top 10 finishes, uh, which is incredible now, the stat, and I'm just pulling it up that I found uh, earlier today. But when you look at his run now since the beginning of the 2017 season, 37 it is now, top 10 finishes, are the next closest Ben Armour, 16. I mean, Tony's seen plenty of final round uh, blowouts where he's been in a position to win and hasn't gone on to do so. You couldn't possibly uh, accuse him of that today. I think today equaled that 64, equaled his lowest Sunday round on the PGA Tour in his career. Mm. You know, He went out and gave it literally everything within his power. I think he started the day uh, at five or six under. So to, to put himself in a position to win, incredible really. Uh, and I think... Were it not for – I mean, realistically, Max Homer had an opportunity to put it away on the 72nd hole with a three-foot part that he missed. So we probably shouldn't be talking about Tony in a playoff. But the shot that Max Homer hit on the first playoff hole from the base of a tree, I think Tony Finau has every right to, to go to bed tonight and say there's nothing more I could have done today to win that tournament. I just got beaten by a better player on the day.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, there's part of me that sits here and goes, "Well, Tony should have, Tony should have capitalised when that um, ball was up against the tree. No doubt. Um, I mean, if there was a, um, if you could see the the you know the percentage of who was going to win, I reckon after Homer's shot ended up against the tree, it would have been in the nineties for Finau to to finish it up on ten. There, his putt on sixteen. I just wanted to mention. A phenomenal little snaky birdie putt, mm. uh, just just incredible. To be honest, I think it was only uh, I might have been ten foot or something like that, but it was downhill. Um, an excellent putt. To uh, it's probably the best that I've seen Tony Fennow play for quite a while. Absolutely, and and I think that's saying something. And and you know what? The when you're saying uh, how many top tens? Thirty seven. Thirty seven now. Incredible. I think had he have converted one or two of those into victories mm. we'd be having a very different conversation about tony absolutely
1: Fiennes. well we'd be talking about a three-time winner on the pga tour but i think we'd be talking about some, the most consistent player on the tour i think we still are i don't think that's in question mm. like when you look at the 37 top 10 struds is phenomenal yeah since since 2017 and i know that like the, I think the conversation between consistency and conversion, two different conversations, because there's clearly an inability to convert. Today, I think I said it, it felt different today. Like it didn't feel like he fell apart. I don't know that there was much more he could have done. I think Max Omer produced a very, very special final round to get it done in a tournament that clearly meant so much to him. But it felt different. from Tony Fan didn't lose that tournament today, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think maybe, just maybe, the scar tissue that we've been speaking about that hangs over his head, you know, the muscle memory of being unable to, to win in those situations. It's very little he could have done. I think he was second or third strokes game putting all week on, uh, and we will get to it, yeah. the most difficult greens we've seen on the PGA Tour this season. Yeah, Like correct. his game was flowing this week, hmm. you know, and, and I think, yeah, definitely in my mind, still the most consistent player I think we see at the moment purely based on volume, but it's just – it's now almost got to, and I know there's a question there um, around: is it is it almost funny now? Like mm. it's, I saw another stat which is quite remarkable: 116 different players have won on the PGA Tour since Tony Finau's win at Puerto Rico in 2016. <laughs> 42 of those have won at least twice. Dustin Johnson, in that time alone, has 15 wins, including two majors. Mm. Like this is a guy who continues to be there and there. That's thirty-seven times he's been within the top ten of a victory since his last one, and just can't get it done. But again, today, I don't know what it was. Like maybe just maybe he's turned a corner.
0: He's too nice. That's the thing. <laughs> Coming from Utah, Salt Lake City, Mormons. You know, just too nice. Too nice a guy. I mean, that question that you allude to is from Figgy Small. Do we feel bad for? Now is it just getting funny now? Like, uh, it is getting funny. Like, it's just absurd, like, that he can be so ultra consistent and then just not get over the line, not find – like, by pure volume, he should have won. He should have won Mm. three or four times Mm. by now. And I just think – I don't know if there's – I feel like this could be a really um, interesting – point in Tony Finau's, well, maybe not his career, but particularly mm. this season, particularly his next couple of years, if he takes this from here and and doesn't have permanent scar tissue from falling short again, because I think he's now one and three in playoffs, if he can take the positives out of today and go on with a bit of a run, there's no reason that he can't win. He he he's an exceptional driver of the ball. He has all the attributes Of of a of a winner, like there is no part of his game that you sit there. He he's twenty third in shots gained off the tee. This is for the for the season. Twenty third in shots gained off the tee. Tenth in shots gained approach the green. Thirty sixth in shots gained around the green. Eighty second in shots gained putting. Fifth shots gained tee to green and sixth shots gained total. Like that is those numbers should equate to a winner.
1: (laughs) <laughs> I well, I mean I it. actually I actually think Drews it's the inverse of Figgy Small's question. I, I thought it was funny and now I feel sorry for him. Yeah. You know, like it, it, for a period of time it was a there was a whole take around, you know, inability to convert, always, as I said, always the bridesmaid, never the bride now. It's it's just getting a little absurd. And I, mm. I do feel I do feel sorry for him. I do I do wonder, and, and it sounds funny because he finished tied for second in Saudi Arabia, but I do wonder. If he'll look back on the decision to go to Saudi Arabia and not play in Phoenix as yeah. the right one, because because I think the way that he putted across this weekend, if that if that tournament this week is played on most other courses on the PGA Tour that have far more true and forgiving greens, he probably wins. Mm. And I wonder if he'll look back on Phoenix, which is a course exactly like that, sets up so beautifully for him, and sees that as a missed opportunity. Now I'm sure his bank account would suggest different given the appearance for he probably got to go to the other desert but I just think that he's in this patch at the moment where yes it feels like it's an an inevitability but I kind of feel like he does need to get it done soon Yeah, because he's playing as good as he's going to play. Yeah, I think he's
0: at his ceiling right? I don't think he can get much better than this Mm. Um, and, and to your point there it's really interesting I was just having a look back at who's beaten him over the past few. So he went to Saudi Arabia and DJ beat him, the yeah. best player in the world, generational yeah. talent, as we've spoken about. Genesis, he gets beaten by Max Homer today and, and you know, probably a little unlucky that he, he didn't win. Then yeah. we go back to the American Express where he finished fourth, beaten by uh, – sorry, we'll go to the Farmers Insurance um, where he finished T2, beaten by Patrick Reed, who is an exceptional golfer, albeit a dick. The American Express, well, Siwoo si Kim – plays his absolute nuts off and finishes He finishes fourth there. Then you go back to the Maya Coba, beaten by Victor Hovland, one of the, you know, very, very good young talents. Like he's, he's not being beaten by mugs is the point that I'm trying to make. He's getting, getting beaten by seriously good golfers. Um, And I, I I don't know what the answer is for him to convert into a, into a victory here. I mean, we do have
1: a question, I believe there around how does Tony win?
0: Yeah. Who uh, who, who asked that? You can, where where are we? There's a lot you, here. We got a lot today, Jesus. I know,
1: which is which is pleasing. And and to be fair, I'm I'm not doing you any justice because I'm just remembering the ones I scroll past no, and I'm kind is, of throwing them at you. I've and got it expecting here. you to find them.
0: I've got it. It's from uh Stretton Dill. Uh thanks for following us too, Stretton. You've just jumped on the bandwagon and we bloody love having you here. How does Tony win? Will he win again? Another missed opportunity. Absolutely another missed opportunity. Will he win again? Yes, I think he does. Um how, how does he win? Uh,
1: shit, I don't know. Million dollar My, question. If you've got, the, have, if you've got I, the answer. I might have the on. answer, Drew. I might <laughs> have the answer. And it could, it could be as soon as this weekend because he's yeah. got a decision to make. Mm-hmm. It's not really a decision, but in the scheme of finding a way to win again, does he go back to Puerto Rico?
0: All right, Does
1: he go back to where it all started? Now, yes, that sounds you know off the top pretty naive because it would mean foregoing an appearance at the WGC event. In Florida, of course, uh, obviously always played at uh, Mexico this time of year, but moving uh, back to Florida due to to the COVID restrictions at the concession golf club, does he go an appearance at WGC, go back to an alternate field event, flat track bully, go back to where he's won before, get it done, get the monkey off the back and move forward from there.
0: Personally, if he does that, I don't actually think that helps him. (laughs)
1: Like, honestly, that'd be weak as piss. Mm. To do that. But does uh, he just need to win? Like, at this at yeah, this like, juncture, so who, play fucking who, <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> I think that's what it is. Like, there's no, even the teams he's been a part of, Drew, it's like, yeah, he had a win at the President's Cup, but it wasn't, like, mind-blowing how he played. Going back to the Ryder Cup at Le Golf Nationale in, in 2018, um, you know, limp across the line wasn't, you know, wasn't a, a difference maker for the Americans there. Like, for me, it's like he's, he's just got to remember how to do it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I don't actually think it will benefit him greatly if he goes back and wins Puerto Rico. Let's make it clear he's not he's not going to Puerto Rico. He's no, going but, to be the concession golf club this week. Yeah, and, and no, but it's an it's an interesting point that you raise. Like, I think he needs to win a tournament of caliber. He can't mm. go back and win an opposite field event because this is why we pull the piss out of him is because he's only won an opposite field event once. Mm. Um, it's a little bit like in How I Met Your Mother. The Blitz, you remember The Blitz that episode where the guy mm. like misses out all the time. Tony Finau is a little bit of the Blitz to be honest. Mm. He misses out on on the success. Um, so he just needs someone else to to be away for a big moment and then he'll be fine. It'll all it's come it. it will all come to plan.
1: It's a fascinating conversation. I saw a great tweet earlier today by uh, by Dylan DeChair who writes for golf.com and he Pose the question Who is the best cross code comparison or equivalent for Tony Fee now? And honestly, I, I spent probably a good five minutes pondering that question and don't know that I could come up with someone across another sport who's come that close on that many occasions without getting it done a second time. Mm, I'm
0: good. It's Googling. a fascinating
1: question. Fascinating question. Yeah. It's like the, the, the ability for him to produce as often as he has done and to see more than 100 different people win since his last one it is like, like I just, DJ's won two majors and, yeah. and 15 different times since Tony Fina last won. Like, that's incredible. And in terms of consistency week in, week out, you probably can't split them. Like, DJ is the generational talent. He's the world number one, he is the better player. But on volume and on, on performance, take out the wins. Tony consistently performs as well as DJ just without getting it done. It's, yeah. it's so hard to wrap your head around his inability to convert.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. Maybe Cade Simpson. He played in 2018. He was up to 194 losses, which was um, to become the losingest player in AFL history. Play blues, but he didn't. So. He didn't really kind of get close to having any sort of success. But no, no it's it, it's fascinating. And and you know what? I think it says a lot about the golfing world mm. that you know we've opened this podcast with fifteen minutes on Tony Finau, and he didn't even win the fucking tournament. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I, I, think, I, I think in many
1: ways, Tony Finau has a bit of the People's Champ about him. I was literally just about to say the same thing. Like, when he wins, it will be as popular a win as you've seen for some time. I completely agree. Because I think I think people really like him.
0: Like what's not know, to like? Yeah. He he's a lovely, he's a lovely guy. And maybe he just needs a bit of killer instinct about him to get it done. But like he he seems like a ripping fella. He hmm. seems like the sort of bloke that you know goes out for lunch every day in the office and always asks going down to IGA, mate, would anyone like anything? Get he seems like while I'm that out. sort of fella. Yeah. <laughs> would you like a coffee while I'm out? And you know what? He wouldn't even ask you about paying, you know, nah. he would nah. just, he'd just do it every day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and look, do you know, I, I think for some time I may have bought into, he doesn't have the edge mm. to win, but I, I honestly, I think that's a little unfair. I don't know how much personality plays a role in in winning tournaments. There is, I feel like a broken record. There, like, We'll get to it. The, the shot that Max Homer played. Let's go to Homer. Have you got anything else on? Well, I was just about to ask. Have we? Have we got any other questions on Tony before we move off Tony? No. Well, I think we can neatly put it by. Other than to say, the only thing I like, I've said a couple of times now. There's nothing more he could have done. The only thing I will say is that he missed two very similar parts. He had an opportunity to birdie his seventy-second hole, and then. An opportunity, um, you know, to to keep himself in the playoff in a second or Two very similar putts that he probably should have nailed. Yeah. You know, given he was second or third strokes game putting for the week, two putts within ten foot. Two looks at it. I think one of those really should have dropped, and that's probably about where I could fault him this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. But in he had saying a really good that, read too from Max Homer on didn't 14. he? Like yeah. that's yeah, that that that's that's disappointing. To not convert after after seeing the line that the Homer part. took, but in saying that, Droots, I mean the shot that Max Homer played, his second shot, and and props to the tour. We don't often say that. Props to the tour for taking the first playoff hole to ten. That was inspired because it would have been easy to go back up eighteen. I think if they didn't, I, 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 it would have been an uproar. But taking it to
0: ten, brilliant. It's and, a, a- What's your take on 10? Just quickly, what's your take on 10? Like, I like I, it. I actually reckon it's the best hole on tour.
1: It's, uh, it's, it's honestly, like I think obviously um, you saw a bit of it across the weekend since they made the changes and the percentage of people who lay up as opposed to go for the green. It's a great, um, you know, great risk-reward. We've said that a couple of times in the last few weeks. This is a great risk-reward hole. Mm. And I loved the stones on Max and a step up and, and rip it on yeah. the first playoff hole. I reckon,
0: like, Finau put that pressure on him, though. Absolutely. He, he hit it to a very good spot. Absolutely. like he, he, he hit it to a really good angle. I think he had some sprinkler heads in the way that might have been a, a very interesting spot. But then, like, for, for Finau to step up and hit that shot and go, oh, I'm going to put the pressure on you straight away. And then, obviously, like, you're walking off the tee box after Homer's shot and you're going, well,
1: advantage, advantage Finau. No, I don't, don't even think advantage. I think, and and to be game fair, match. <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, I think that there was a little bit of GST in the broadcast. I think the camera angle that we initially saw of Homer's ball mm. didn't suggest that he would be able to get himself in a position to play a shot that he was actually able to. Like there was a lot of talk about would he have to go left-handed? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I, I think the camera angle that we initially got, everyone and inst- instantly said game over. Yeah. Because what he's going to have to do, you thought, was he's going to have to pitch out sideways and then really get up and down. Yeah. Yeah. And so when he got up there and everyone was like, oh, I mean, still an incredibly difficult shot to One kind of, of close best. off the club face on a wedge and, and bump and run it up against greens that were on fire over yeah. the weekend. Incredible shot. But honestly, like Homer's ball off the tee, that's, uh, I I think a lot of people had put it in the bag for Tony Finna.
0: Yeah, well, why wouldn't he? I mean, like horrible position to be in, and even when, even when he hit that shot, I was like, oh god, like you know, it looked it ugly, did, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Like you know, he had to hit it, he t- hit it right into the hill in the perfect spot. If he didn't, if he hit it a foot shorter, that was coming back down. If it was a foot longer, it was in the, uh, in in the shit on the other side. So, mm. uh, I think like yeah, that is one of one of the great shots of th- that I can remember. Absolutely. I just think, like, you know, we, we talk about shots like Colin Morikawa at the PGA Championship last yep. year at Harding Park. Incredible shot. But, like, you know, I think we forget about some of these short shots sometime, and, and how difficult they are. I mean, like, I would challenge anyone who who is uh, any sort of golfer to go out and try and hit that shot. You're going to have the tree in your face. You're going to be worried about snapping your club against a tree. To get up there, turn your wrists over on the ball and pitch it in the perfect spot and roll it to 10 feet or whatever it was. Absolutely incredible.
1: Made more impressive by the fact it's never, ever a shot he would practice. Mm. Like a lot of the shots that we marvel at are shots guys spend hours on the range perfecting. And yet they spend, you know, maybe 30% of their time practicing unusual shots, hmm. how often do you reckon tour pros are going with a bucket of balls up against a, the base of a tree? Yeah, I wouldn't have thought often. So to have that within him, there's no muscle memory. There's no recall. There's no, oh, I've played this shot plenty of times. It's it's instinct. It's pull a club, pick you know a five-cent piece on that hill. I've got a hit. Hmm. It was, I, I think, a perfect demonstration about why the top point zero 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 one percent are pros in this game.
0: A hundred percent, hundred percent. I am just looking back at Shot Trucker now, and you know Max Homer probably standing on ten T was. I think he would have had a little bit of confidence about him going mm. into that. On the first uh, round, one he went in a similar position to where he was today, not up against a tree, but in the rough, and and ended up getting up and down. Round two, he makes a he makes a bogey after finding himself on the right hand side round three he makes a a really good birdie after ending up in the sand and round four similar position uh makes a a fantastic birdie so he would have stepped up with a level of confidence but i think that pressure from female from his his tee shot uh you know sort of forced the unforced error if that if you can excuse my oxymoron there
1: yeah i i I mean, it was incredibly impressive, and then to step up and 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 nail his tee shot on fourteen, which was the second playoff hole, um, and put himself in a position uh, to put, to place a bit of pressure back on mm. on, on Tony Finau, uh, which ultimately you know Finau put his in the in the green side bunker and and gave himself an incredibly difficult up and down to keep himself in it. So, I, I think that that stretch, you know, Max rightfully would have been a bit disappointed coming off eighteen and the 72nd hole in his tournament. I mean, yeah. piped his drive in difficult conditions, kept it low and it rolled out, like beautifully executed drive, and then absolutely pinched his wedge in. Like to put yeah. that within three foot in the conditions, to hold on that green, uh, you know, he, he put himself in a position to win the tournament on on, on the 72nd hole and, and unbelievably missed a three-foot putt. But I think goes to show that you can't take anything for granted at Riviera, Um, Mm. you know, and I I think to overcome that disappointment, I I don't think that can be underestimated. The disappointment of knowing that you had, we're not talking about a 10-foot putt. We're talking about a three-footer. That's what you had in front of you to close out the tournament and you missed it and you put yourself up against, uh, you know, one of the best five, 10 players in the world in a playoff. To overcome that immediately, and produce a shot like his second on, on 10, the first player hole. Unbelievable. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, you know, that, that part could have
0: really derailed his. Absolutely. His day. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. When he hit that shot, I was kind of like, oh, well, this is game over. As I said, I, I had my apology ready to go for him, but <laughs> he, I don't know. He kind of just got up there and do, and did what I do a lot. And that's just mm. like, oh, I got three foot. I'm just going to, I'll just bang this straight into the center and, missed. And then you end up with four foot coming back and you nail it. Like it was, it, there was a, a bit of uh, a bit of me in that part, but it was um, a very, very interesting to see him just bounce back. And, and obviously um, particularly after his, his tee shot on, uh, on the first playoff hole was um he, he made a obviously incredible shot. And then, I mean, I mean, going back to Finau on, on the second playoff hole, I thought that was pretty disappointing. Um, I mean, didn't, didn't play a great, uh, shot out of the bunker, and then obviously mm. had a pretty slippery putt. I mean, he 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 barred that hole every single day, um, all four rounds. So yeah, I don't I don't know if he changed anything or if he just made a bad swing, but didn't really put himself in a good good spot. Obviously, in the bunker, and then didn't didn't have a great um, didn't have a great bunker shot either, which obviously didn't help.
1: I don't know if it's indicative of of what we think. Let me rephrase that. I don't know if it's more indicative of our opinion of Max Homer or indicative of how he played today, but of the contenders, I mean, we'll get to Sam Burns who played about 65 unbelievable holes of golf and unfortunately fell away. Of the contenders that were sitting, uh, Sam Burns took a two-shot lead into the final round, so of that group that was sitting behind him, I don't necessarily know that I would have picked Max Homer in the top three. No. to make the jump up. I saw two things today um, that made me re, you know, in hindsight reconsider why, like why wasn't I looking to hit 66 today and close out unbelievable druids But this stat here, it was a bogey free 66. Like a lot of, a lot of players were hitting, you know, um, high to mid sixties with, Pretty crazy scorecards, a couple of eagles, bo- birdies, a couple of bogeys. Max was a bogey-free 66 today, only the third player in the last three decades to win a PGA Tour event at Riviera with a bogey-free final round. He joined Steve Elkington in 95 and Bubba in mm. 2014. Bogey-free on a Sunday at Riv, incredible effort. And then if you look at his run on the West Coast, he's an LA native and, and – you could see in that, that post-round interview with Amanda Balionis how much it meant to him to win at Riviera, a tournament that he grew up going to, a tournament that inspired his love for golf, a tournament where he fell in love with Tiger Woods and he became his inspiration and what it meant to him to close out in front of his friends and family. But more broadly, his West Coast swing, you look at it the last couple of years, Farmers Insurance opened uh, 2020 T9, 2021 T18, Waste Management Phoenix 2020 T6, 2021, T42. Pebble Beach, 2020, T14. This year, T7. The Genesis last year, T5, and he wins. Loves a West Coast swing. So keep that in mind when we fast forward 12 months and we probably most likely forget about Max Homer again when he's back on these West Coast tournaments. It shouldn't really have come of much surprise that he emerged from the pack today.
0: So what you're telling me is you can only win at home.
1: Flat track bully. <laughs> flat track bully. Well, I mean, if you can consider uh, the river flat track.
0: No, absolutely not. But, uh, no, that's a very interesting point. I mean, uh, clearly, I think uh, everyone would be a little more comfortable when they're at home playing in their their hometown city. Uh, I think, where did Max Hamer go to school? Was it UCLA or Cal? I can't remember. I think, I think it might have been.
1: UCLA, man, I think.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, no, UC Berkeley. Certainly, I went to Cal, of um, obviously. Of course, Rich, boy. obviously, Rich. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been you, I've been to UC Berkeley, and let me tell you, there is a little, some a little of Johnny Cash.
1: Um, yeah. Wasn't it nice? Just while we're on it, uh, mm. I spoke about that post-train interview. He he has this this uh, I, I suppose what, what's the word I'm after? He has well, his aura <laughs> and his personality is that of of a laid back jovial joker doesn't mind taking the piss out of people on social media Mm. like johnny come lately pretty pretty life is life is casual and calm kind of guy and to see him almost get caught off guard by that first question of what it meant to you to win this tournament Mm. uh, like he, he he had to catch himself a few times like welled up getting quite emotional talking about this tournament, talking about growing up, coming into the tournament, talking about being handed the trophy by his hero in Tiger Woods, talking about his love for LA. I think he said that you know, um, City of Champions, Dodgers first, then Lakers, now me. Love Something that. along those, which was awesome. You know, massive Dodgers fan he is. I just, it was really, we've seen a couple of guys get emotional of late. Uh, I thought this was one of the really nice ones. It, yeah. Clearly it meant so much to win that specific tournament
0: yeah i think so it reminded me a little bit of cam Champ last year um i had yeah i agree with what you're saying there's there's been a lot of emotion around that i thought that quote around the lakers and the dodgers was absolutely fantastic um it's just the sort of guy he is so i mean definitely um definitely a lovable character um don't get me wrong about that he's a uh he's a he's very relatable. Um, and, and I, and I really like the guy. I know I said that he was an overrated golfer, but like he, as a person, <laughs> I mean, as a bloke, fantastic. I mean, at the time he only had, he only had one win, but to win at Riv, I think is, uh, is something very special is something that he's going to uh, remember for the rest of his career. I would suggest.
1: What I think as well, it, it was nice juxtaposition to, and don't get me wrong, I completely resonated with this comment from Adam Scott a couple of weeks ago, but Scotty obviously said that realistically there's like 10 or so tournaments mm. that people get up for through the year and we've got a 52-week schedule. So the tour needs to be a little bit innovative with how they approach a lot of other tournaments. That wasn't wrong. Like that was spot on and I'm yeah. so glad that that Scotty of all people um, was the first one to come out and, and kind of draw a line in the sand and be you know, on the record with his opinion. But not everyone's a worldie like Scotty. Not everyone's won a Masters. Not everyone has been a world number one. And it shows you... Now, don't get me wrong. I think the Genesis, um, ironically, is one of those tournaments. Guys love the RIV. They love the history. They love the challenge that it brings comparatively to the other cookie-cutter courses on the tour. But it just shows you that for guys like Max Homer, who I believe jumps into the top 50 in the world for the first time off the back of this victory, it shows you that... On any given Sunday, pardon the the pun, it means something to someone. Mm. That all yep. of these tournaments matter, pending your situation. Yeah,
0: one hundred percent. It's a uh, well elevated event. <laughs> Three year exemption mm. now. Uh, I think particularly this West Coast swing, there are some tournaments that people get up for more than more than most, and um, Riv is absolutely one of them, no doubt. That's probably all I have on Max. Yes. Same. I just want to make a broad sweeping statement about the top 10. Please. Fantastic mix of people yeah. on this top 10. Like Just Homer, Finau, Burns, Cam Smith, obviously, T4. John Rahm finished T5. I mm. didn't even know he was playing. Victor <laughs> Hovland, T5. Matty Fitzpatrick um, just couldn't get it done for me this week. Your boy, Matty Fitz, was, was threatening. He was. Uh, speaking of threatening, Francesco Molinari. <laughs> Jesus,
1: <laughs> It's Like his third or fourth top ten I- since the beginning of the year.
0: I'm telling you, this is his. This is his plan.
1: Wyndham it's all boys. been a ruse, ruse.
0: It's all I been know. a ruse. Smoke and mirrors from Francesco. <laughs> Wyndham Clark, good Oregon boy. Uh, Matt Jones, another Aussie. Two Aussies in the top ten, and then DJ in T eight as well. Like just a, a fantastic mix of. Of people um in there and i mean sam burns is that the next one you want to got some notes on
1: yeah uh, tough Mm. like incredibly tough because as i said probably 64 65 unbelievable holes of golf for such Mm. a young guy like this is a relatively unproven guy on the tour and he held it together through until about 12 today yeah. So from twelve onwards, he goes bogey par, bogey bogey, uh, par, birdie par. Yeah, and that real like those three bogeys in the last six or so holes cost him the tournament. Yeah, but I I don't like I don't want to understate what rarefied air he would have found himself in because to go wire to wire would have been, on honestly, it would have been quite unbelievable. Uh, yeah. there's, there's a quote here, fourth player under 25 to lead a PGA Tour event by five-plus shots through 30, 36 holes in the last 15 years. Uh, he joined some strong company. Um, in 2011, Rory in the US Open was the same. He won. In 2015, Spieth at the Masters, he won. In 2017, JT at the Sony Open, he won. And he was only the fourth player ever to lead by five strokes through 36 holes. There was another one there about joining a list of you know, young wire to wire winners to, to have done that. Like it would have been quite incredible if he could have done that. And I I don't necessarily think, yeah, here it is. Since 1996 players have won a PGA tour event wire to wire before the age of 25, Jose Maria, Ole Tiger twice, Rory, Patrick Reed, Spieth and JT. But that would have been a list he was joining. Very good. So (laughs) don't want to understate what Sam Burns did through, you know, 64, five odd holes across Mm. this weekend. And, no more obvious than I don't know if you saw this. Like there was inclement conditions on Saturday. <laughs> inclement conditions, very. And he hit one of the most like if if it were not for Max Homer's shot on the first playoff hole today, this would have been easily the shot of the weekend, potentially the shot of the year. Mm. He hit an incredible shot, green side at six, par three. pushed it right. He was kind of edge of the rough into a garden bed, and. Yeah. Like no lie, he had an open face sixty degree wedge which he flopped, but wind was everywhere. Like again, put it on a five cent coin to run it down a hill. There were like honestly, you had Frank Nobolo on the box saying you you would take, like you would uh, bogey would be the best possible result here, yeah. and he walked away with a par. Gets up and down, yeah, that was bizarre, wasn't it? Um, but like he played a phenomenal weekend, Sam Burns.
0: He did. He did. And he just had, you know, a couple of rough stretches of holes there 12, 13, 14 bogey on Saturday. And then obviously the ones that you've outlined today, and you know, not great for, for him. It was uh, the same holes that, that got him again over the weekend. But um, exceptional, exceptional performance and look really good talent to keep an eye on. I mean, uh, we probably haven't really given Sam Burns much consideration um, over the past, you know, few, few months, but uh, good name to keep an eye on. Uh, where do you want to go next? I mean, Smithy.
1: Yeah, 67.
0: Probably combine the two Aussies, I guess. Yep. Um, yeah, Cam Smith obviously luscious, uh, luscious mullet, which we got some some uh questions and comments about. Cam's filthy mo, Cam's even filthier mullet. Uh, very, very good. Um, but playing some exceptionally good golf at the moment, yeah. Cam Smith, and and I think there's some some really good positives that he can take forward, even if he's not winning. Um, you know, outright fourth um, at, at Riv is is a fantastic result. Uh, obviously, a pretty happy hunting ground for the Aussies in the past couple of years. And then, you know, Matty Jones uh, didn't have his have his best day today. Still shot one under par, but um, you know, played some um, played some good golf over the. The four days opened with a 67. So I think there's good signs for, for a couple of the Aussies there. I mean, I think Leash played all right today. He rose 17 spots, but um, and Scotty was up 24 spots, but a bit too late for those guys. Smithy in good form, though.
1: Isn't he? And mm-hmm. can, can I just say, I want to draw attention to the fact that we had the newly crowned Australian amateur, uh, male Australian amateur, Louis Dobler, on the podcast last week. If you haven't listened to it, go back. It was a fantastic chat. Um, he said that, you know, there's still quite a large element of one team of bogan in Cameron Smith. Yes. And I think his current uh, get-up speaks directly to that part of his spirit. Uh, I can't imagine Mrs. Cameron Smith is overly thrilled about it. I think he actually said, uh, it might have been either post-practice round Wednesday or post-round one Thursday, the Mrs. isn't happy but the boys love it. That, I think that was the quote, the boys love it. <laughs> yes. Smithy. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like, Larrican, yeah, he's, he? he's something else. God, so so if like in terms of 2021 20, goals for this podcast, by way of guests, it, it ranks uh by the length of the fairway Kari Webb one, yeah. Uh, but if I had to nominate an outright second, it would be Cameron Smith, yeah. I agree, I agree.
0: He's the most relatable of the four Aussies 100%. as well. 100%. I don't know, like, lads a bit hard on leash, but I just feel like Smithy's just just a different breed like i reckon well, I, think, I think I think
1: smithy is in. i think smithy is leashed like six or seven years ago
0: yeah although i while i would love to have smithy on the podcast this year i would also kind of love to have him on wet in person when we were all together because oh, i reckon we just get so much more
1: out of it wouldn't we have a couple of gauge roads and, uh, Jesus, and get Something. some truth, some truth serum. Um, A <laughs> couple of others in the top ten. You, you mentioned John Rahm, who yeah. again came from nowhere. Uh, Sixty-six, one of the low rounds of Went day. Out of good thirty-one. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. He's yeah. I mean, he. We haven't really spoken much about him in, in the last few weeks because he's kind of been really nowhere. I, I'm I'm genuinely curious to watch his run. You know, over the next. Stay four weeks because we've obviously got concession this week. We've got another WGC in a few weeks. And I think we're only about seven weeks away from the Masters, mm. which we both um, nominated him for last year. We think, you know, Augusta National is that sets up very well for John Rahm. I think even more so in April when it's usually played as opposed to in the fall that was. So, yeah, I think, I think you'll be genuinely – Interesting to watch John Rahm in the next couple of weeks over a few WGCs to see how he goes against the best, you know, 70-odd players in the world.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's he's just trending in the right direction just mm. sneakily. Like we've we've talked ad nauseum about DJ and how good he's been. But he in his last eight starts, uh, John Rahm at the U.S. Open, so that was his uh, eighth start, was T23, then T17 at the CJ, T2 at Zozo, then went three consecutive T7s at the Masters, the Century, and the Farmers Insurance, T13 at Waste Management, and T5 at the Genesis. Like, he's in phenomenal form. We're talking about Tony Finau playing and finishing in the top 10. I mean, Jesus. When you've got six, uh, five of your last six tournaments in the top 10, that is that is some rare form. So he, I think uh, you get your little black book out and you'd put – you definitely put John Rahm in there for a victory sometime soon. Um, I mean, he'll probably go and miss the cut now because it seems to what happened every time we pump someone up on this podcast. But um, he's 26. Like that, I, I often forget that while. about John Rahm. He looks Rahm. 36. He does, doesn't he? But that, like, and this is the thing, you know, like he, he could well be doing what DJ's doing in five years' time. Like he... Oh. He's got the talent there. So it'll be, it's fascinating to watch John Rahm's story. I find him one of the most intriguing players
1: on the tour. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think he's – yeah, he's – at his best, he mixes it with the best three or four golfers in the world. It's yeah. just finding his best, and it's about keeping that temper under control. But, yeah, he's – uh Yeah, incredible. I'm really keen to watch him, given how he finished here, watch him in the next couple of weeks. Um, You mentioned Dustin Johnson. I just want to – I mean, you said he's in the the top eight – sorry, top ten. I think that might be one of the most disappointing T8s of his career, (laughs) Um, which is weird to say, and I think it's just indicative of what we now expect from him. Mm. Um, Today was one over, I believe. Yeah. He did not have a final round score over par worldwide – since this tournament last year, 371 days. That's exceptional. That record spanned until today. It's exceptional. That exceptional. goes to show you what, what sort of level he's been playing at in the last mm. year. Um, like he, I think I, I spoke about that group of contenders and not necessarily looking at Max Homer as genuine out of that group. He was the one. Mm. And to see him kind of limp out the back door with one over today was surprising as much as it was disappointing.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. Ultimately, I don't think this one's going to weigh too heavily on him. But I um, think you give two shits. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's um, he's still playing in good form. DJ, I mean, it's mm. like it's funny, isn't it? I think this and this is going to be the danger that we we get to with with someone like DJ when they're playing in such elite form. Is what's the floor now for DJ? Yeah. Like, at what point are we disappointed? You know, we just Sorry. say like, "Oh, it's a disappointing." T eight for him, like it's still a top That's ten at, at an <laughs> elevated event with the seventy or the hundred and whatever, one hundred and forty best players in the world. Like, it's yeah, it's it's pretty phenomenal. Um, I just think we uh, we're probably going to be pretty harsh on DJ in the coming years.
1: Oh, I think so. We should though. We hold him to a higher standard. Um, <laughs> True, as we'd expect. Uh, any others that jump out? You've got a couple more, but I'm yep. conscious that I've probably driven a few of the last couple. So, so take me where you want to go. Uh,
0: I just wanted to mention Jordan Spieth again. I know we didn't. Yep. Um, we didn't do a wrap up pod last week. We um, did not. So I think yeah, just uh, I mean it's it's exciting to see him playing some good golf. Uh, obviously, we know that he loves uh, Pebble Beach, so played very very well there. Um, I think maybe. Struggled a little bit on Saturday, obviously, two over and then one under today. But, uh, sorry, then even today. Um, but yeah, he, I think this, there's, there's, there's definitely positive signs there for, for Jordan Speeth at the moment. Um, I mean, I'd reserve judgment on whether he's back or not. Um, I, I'd say probably more so not than, than, than he is, but, um, he, he's playing some good golf and there's some positive signs there. So, I am very interested to watch his progression as we start to get into some quite difficult golf clubs uh, when we get um, down to, to Florida there. I mean, we go to, to Bay Hill and, and TBC Sawgrass and PGA National, uh, very, very difficult uh, courses. But then the flip side of that is we go to Texas and we know that he loves playing in Texas. So uh could, could be uh, an interesting little period for Jordan to be.
1: 73-71 Saturday-Sunday, disappointing. Um, yeah. No, no no, no way of avoiding that. What I will say, and, and you said it's encouraging to see signs, and you'll say you reserve judgment on whether he is actually officially back. Um, last time he was in the top 10 entering the weekend, three weeks on the trot on the PGA Tour, was April of 2015. <laughs> So yeah. that's a stat that he's knocked over this week uh, as of this weekend. It's a good so, check, good, good point, uh, good uh, marker, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's that's casting your mind back to when he was at his peak, not like on the way up. That was him at his very best. Yeah. Right. So really good point in terms of keep an eye on him in the next four to five weeks across some difficult golf courses. But there's form there that says maybe, just maybe, um, we're stringing together because that's been the thing, right? Like we've seen two to three whole bursts of brilliance mm-hmm. for the last 12 months, but yeah. it's been the other holes and the chasm, the Grand Canyon-like chasm between his best and worst golf has been the problem. Three weeks in a row now, he's, he's been in that top 10 entering a weekend, which he hasn't done for six years. So yeah. that's, that's a good sign.
0: I completely agree. I think it's going to be um, a very, very interesting watch. For, for for Jordan, um, and I'm sure that you'll be doing it very, very closely.
1: <laughs> Closer than most.
0: <laughs> the only other one that I did want to mention, I mean, I yes. haven't scrolled that far down just yet, but uh, Ricky Fowler up 16 spots yep. today with a four under 67, moves up uh, one spot to 65th. I mean, time is rapidly running out for him yeah. to to get into the Masters. But T20
1: is um, better, but he, he needs some T2s. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: he needs some wins. That's what he bloody yeah, needs. So. Correct. It'll be very, very interesting to see his form uh, as we get into some tough golf courses yes. as well. And that was probably the main ones for me at the moment.
1: Okay, I had a couple of quick ones. Yeah, uh, Brooks T thirty eight the week after winning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Odd. <laughs> mm, um, Saturday seventy seven. Yeah, so six Ugly. over. Ugly. Ugh, it's not great. He okay. finished uh, two under today, which isn't too bad, but yeah, interesting. We were lauding him. Um, uh, sorry, not the week after he won two weeks ago at uh, at Phoenix. We were lauding him the way he finished there. We we said that the old um, chest beating Brooks was was back. Mm. It's a little disconcerting. Another name I want to pick out: Droids, uh Colin Morikawa, T forty three, dropped twenty one spots today with two over on Sunday. Just want to kind of look at what he's been doing of late because you know when he won the PGA and did so in in emphatic fashion, we were I don't want to say getting carried away, but we were pretty bullish yeah. about his future. We were pretty bullish about where he might go, and we we're pretty bullish about him comparatively to the others in his graduating class, i.e., Victor Hovland. Matthew Wolf. Yes. Um, so this year, or this season, I should say, missed the cut at the US Open, missed the cut at the Shriners, T12 at the CJ, and then T50, T44 at the Masters, T7 at Century, T7 again the week after in Hawaii, and he's had a couple of weeks off before coming back and being T43 at the Genesis. Well, it's literally all down to his putter. His putting sucks. Mm.
0: like that's just as simple as it is like i'm just trying to load up the page here as the internet comes in i would be surprised if he is in positive strokes i reckon it's big time negative Mm. wouldn't surprise Uh, me in the slightest negative 0.682 213th on on tour not unsurprising and then everything else is so good shots gained approach the green third 1.123 Shot's going to approach the green. Exceptional. So you're doing all the work, Colin. You're just letting yourself down on the on the green. So exceptional talent and he'll bounce back, no doubt.
1: But uh, take your point. As I said, I just think it's interesting when we compare um, to someone we said that we thought after the PGA he'd probably set himself apart from in, in Victor Hovland who finished T5 this week. Mm-hmm. So across that same stretch, T13. At the US Open, where Colin Morikow uh, missed the cut. T12 at the CJ. T47 at the Zozo. T15, Houston Open. Won the Coba for his second PGA Tour victory. T31 in Hawaii at the Century. T2 at the Farmers Insurance. T5 today at the Genesis.
0: Mm. Interesting one to watch, mm. I think, Absolutely. at the moment. Uh, some names to miss the cut.
1: Yes, please.
0: Um, Abe Dancer was two over, Bryson was two over, had a 75 opening round and then mm. had a 69 the next day. Um, Hideki, I mean, that's probably all to do with his putter. Dylan Fratelli, Gary Woodland continues to miss cuts, Bubba Watson. Um, and then the the really, the one that just stands out, well, the two that stand out like dogs, uh Rory McElroy at seven yeah. over with a 73 and a 76 and Justin Thomas who finished Fifth or fourth last, because uh, uh, Tyler Strafacci withdrew and he's an amateur. Mm. Finishing fourth last was JT at eight over with a 77 and a 73. Um, I mean, very, very very strange considering we were talking about how Rory seems a bit of a different man at the moment. But um, yes, that goes to show how much uh, we know about this game.
1: And one more for me, Drew, it's, uh, that mm. I wanted to make mention of before we move off the the field. Um, also missed the cut by four shots. Uh, not in the same orbit as some of the players we're talking about. Maybe the best story across the weekend, and that's Willie Mack the Third, mm-hmm. um, Yes. Who entered the tournament on the Charlie Sifford Memorial Exemption, uh, given annually to a minority golfer, and named after the first African-American to play on the PGA Tour. Uh, Willie Mack is a 65-time winner on the mini-tour, a career mini-tour player, um, but one that has l- literally done the hardest of yards in golf, lived out of his car and drove around the country to mini-tour events, a car that he quite literally ran into the ground. It blew up on him as it died on the side of a road in between tournaments. Um, he's played at both the Farmers and here, and, um, at, uh, at the Genesis and, of course, comes after Kamayu Johnson was in the field also at, uh, at Pebble last week. So um, not nearly enough representation of minority golfers on the PGA Tour, but good to see some stories popping up in the last couple of weeks. And hopefully it's a path forward to seeing um, you know them represented uh, far more uh, across tournaments. There has been maybe even a suggestion of a minority exemption at every PGA Tour event, uh, which I wouldn't at all – be opposed to druids No,
0: fantastic story too. Uh, really, really good story to do a bit of research on if you've got the time to go and uh, just jump on and have a bit of a Google and, and read it for yourself. Um, a wonderful story for, for Willie Mack.
1: If you read one story, read Ryan Lavner's uh, fantastic <laughs> profile piece yes. on, on Willie Mack. If, if you're going to go and do the Google, uh, Google Willie Mack the Third, Ryan Lavner, and that is that is the piece to read. Um, druids there isn't too much more in terms of more broadly around the world. We're going to come home and mention a few brief things, but do we want to spend a couple of minutes um, speaking about our favorite course on the PGA tour? Yeah. Oh,
0: I just thought that it was exceptional. Mm. Like uh, I know we got a, we got a comment here on Instagram um, that's from Ramdog that said, will we see firmer greens anywhere else other than Augusta and the open? I think the answer to that is no. And it was fantastic to see yep. uh, uh, players struggle in many ways, I know that the elements obviously were were against them on Saturday, um, mm. hence why things were suspended. But just a phenomenal, phenomenal golf course. Um, I mean, you look at it, you can't really pick out weak holes. I mean, ten obviously gets a lot of love, but six is fantastic. Four is fantastic. There's there are some special, special golf holes at Riviera, um, and I think uh, I actually probably felt like. This is a course uh, in my – so I, while I love Riviera, I feel like this is one of the tournaments where I missed the fans, which is quite yeah. weird where, given that I, I probably look forward to coming to this more than any other um, aside from the Open uh, and, and uh, the Masters. So it was, it was just weird coming down 18 and not seeing anyone sit on the bank. Um, obviously had great memories of Scotty uh, last year and, and the putt that rolled in and, and all the fans around him. It, it's just a fantastic golf course. They set it up very, very well. Um, I think it's, uh, it puts a very big nail in the coffin of – having to, um, lengthen golf courses to put more bunkers in. Um, it's just a beautifully designed golf course that still tests, uh, players. Um, you know, I mean, Bryson missed the cut and he's the longest hitter on tour. So I don't think, I, I think this is new... pop. Yeah. I think <laughs> this is one that, you know, brings, brings, um, the the distance debate i mean it kind of blows it up a little bit doesn't it but oh it's it's a phenomenal golf course and and i can only dream of one day walking around there and and having a look um in the flesh Mm. because i think it'd be a very very special place to go and see
1: to your point can you imagine fans there today with max homer coming Mm. down the stretch oh it'd be immense wouldn't it yeah it would have been it would have been and and i think taking nothing away but i completely agree with your point it's probably one of the first ones i've genuinely missed fans Mm. i i save for probably the, the stadium high. I didn't really miss them in Phoenix, which is odd because it's a tournament built, built on fans. Here I did. Um, but it is it is a special, special place. Mm. And I think I think you see that a few different times. I mean, the elements, to your point, were up, but, but the wind was only half the story. I mean, I got really angry at first when I saw play suspended because there was a lot of conjecture that it was due to the wind. In reality, it was due to the condition of the course. Mm. Because the wind combined with the conditions of the green meant that balls literally weren't stopping. I mean, to see guys de-greening themselves was sick, um, first and foremost. But, you know, it, it's, it's because, you know, we ask the tour to push these conditions as far as they can. And Riv's a p- prime example of that. Mm. The greens are amazing. Even today, um, having been watered out their ass overnight, um, you know, they were a little bit soft and they didn't cut them either this morning. Um, you know, to see that wasn't an easy three-foot putt for Max Homer on the 72nd hole. Um, there was a, I think it was Thursday or Friday, the putt from John Rahm earlier in the week that, that turned at a right angle back mm-hmm. down the hill. Like the complexities and the greens at Riv is, is phenomenal. I saw a great tweet earlier today that any aspiring course designer should should spend prerequisite amount of time at Riviera mm-hmm. because it's not long. The rough isn't overgrown, and it continues to be one of the best challenges on the tour. Yeah, um, I think the Kikuya grass plays absolute bedlam with with half the field because they just like they don't play on it very often. Most of these guys reside in Florida, where I think it's power, um, and that Kakuya grass over on the west coast is wreaked havoc with with a lot of the guys, particularly with the wedge in hand. It is. Like it's a throwback to what we often describe as the golden age. It has a sense of history, it has a sense of like class about it, and it's just such a pretty place. Yeah. And to see guys genuinely struggle and the very best in the world separate themselves is all we ask for week in, week out. And we get it every single year at Riv. Yeah. It's a
0: fantastic place. It's my favorite, my favorite stop to go to as as we mentioned um in our 100th episode um i mean it's we're pretty lucky that we get to go in in consecutive weeks we get to go to my favorite course on the on the tour um in in pebble um but well i mean no it's it's hard to split between pebble and riv but they're um you get them back to back and that's pretty pretty phenomenal that you get to see that so i'm already looking forward to next year's one
1: as i said they struggled with the wedges in hand on the Kikuya. you know what they could have used what? The King Mim Black Wedge from our yes. friends at Cobra. The fully metal injection molded 304 stainless steel head construction now offered in a glare reducing QPQ, which is quench polish quench black finish. I I know you've got the silver Mims mm. in the bag. I've got the matte black Mims and they are unreal unlike cast wedges min manufacturing reduces the amount of post-process polishing where in the past there was a heavy reliance on skilled machinists to grind consistent wedge shapes by hand each wedge is created using a mixture of 304 stainless steel metal powder which is then heated and injected into a mould. The King Mim wedge family is the first in golf to utilise a fully robotic polishing process where the robot is pre-programmed to polish each wedge to exact specifications, a sharp contrast variability found in the traditional manual hand polishing process. This fully automated process eliminates variance in head weight and thickness and creates more precise grind shapes and more repeatable bounce in each. I love that repeatable bounce, Trudes. It's made a huge difference for me around the greens. Yeah, it generates so much
0: spin.
1: I mm. love it. I love it. What I do love is the three tour-inspired grinds. You've got the versatile grind, which I personally have, the wide-low grind or the classic grind as well. So the versatility and, and the range of the King Mim Black Wedge offered in a 50, 52, 54, 56, 58, and 60. Uh, personally, I would go with the 50, 54, 60. That's pretty much what you have, Drew isn't it?
0: I have 50, 54 bent to 55 and 60 just for gapping. Wanker.
1: Uh, But (laughs) fantastic versatility across the entire MIM range. So for more information and to potentially even find a place where you can go and grab uh, yourself a fitting for these fantastic wedges, visit CobraGolf.com.au. That's CobraGolf.com.au. Drew Star, speaking of Cobra, Mm. Crystal Blum the winner of the Athena, the WPGA event that was played at the wonderful Coolangatta Tweed Golf Course over the weekend, had the Cobras herself. Yes, she
0: did, uh, and played some exceptional golf too. I mean, I, I loved this format. There was Wasn't uh, it? yeah, pretty funky day one, different challenges nearest the pin and bunker shots and drives and all of this sort of stuff, and then into some knockout, uh, knockout holes, which was uh, fantastic to see a couple of friends of the pod Doing quite nicely, and Becky Kay getting through to the second round. Uh, Karis Davidson unfortunately got knocked out in the first round, but and uh, Steph Kiriaku, um, also unfortunately getting knocked out in uh, in the first round. But yeah, Crystal Blum, very, very impressive. Uh, she finished one over par in the final three holes to, mm. to beat uh, Kono Matsumoto, who is an amateur at the moment out of Victoria, I believe. If I'm correct. incredible,
1: talent she like she played. Some unbelievable goals. She was the one that knocked Steph Curryaku out. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> in in a real funky format, and I kind of liked this. Like it was two players uh, tied after I think the the nominated six or seven holes, and then they had a putt off. Yeah, and like just just stones, girls yeah. just nailing them. Yeah, left, right. Like I think it took a good eight or nine putts to separate them, and Kono Matsumoto going ahead over Steph Curryaku through to the semis. But I think Dreads for me. One of the best things, like you mentioned a couple of the names that we've had on in terms of Becky Kay, Steph, um, and, and also Karis Davidson, but the amount of amateurs mm. in this field. Uh, like yes. we often talk about the, the people – in terms of women's golf for Australia, obviously Hannah Green a major winner, but you've got Minji Lee, you've got Sue O, you've got Robin Choi. Like we've got an incredible class of professional women's golfers. We've got that kind of next generation coming through. Stephs had Rookie of the Year year on the LET. Uh, you've got Becky Kay making waves, but some of the amateur talent, like mm. the there were there were I think three amateurs across the semifinals. Uh, you know, Kona Matsumoto was one, Justice Bozio was one. She's the winner of the the, the female Adelaide uh, Juniors, uh, sorry, not Adelaide, Adidas Junior Sixes, uh, most recently. Like, yeah, and the comparable Bowl as well. Like the amateur female talent was phenomenal at what was a, a really, really cool format and exciting event over the weekend.
0: Yeah, and just on Justice Bozio, she is going to be an exceptional wow. talent. She's going to be very, very good. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets picked up by a college very soon. Um And it will be very interesting to track her progress um, as well. But uh, Crystal Blum, very, very good um, and and a really cool um, format. Our our friend Ewan Porter was involved with the broadcast. Uh, It was on KO. You were able to watch it. I I thought it was fantastic. They did a really, really good job of broadcasting it. Um, And something a little different as well, which I I really quite like. So props to everyone um, who got this one off the ground, the WPGA, uh, doing some good
1: things. I also say, Drewster, mm. uh, to have Kari Webb yeah, also part of the broadcast. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, the insight, I thought, did some fantastic broadcast packages in terms of breaking down the holes. Like, they spent some time, obviously, out on the course in the lead-up to the event where she played, well, she kind of commentated one of the local QAS uh, girls playing each of the holes and kind of gave some, some insight around how best to play uh, mm. you know those those holes it was yeah it was amazing true stuff uh, yep. and to have her insight I actually to be fair I've, I felt a little bit for the um, for the for the players to have Kari Webb looking over your shoulder I mean obviously a few of them um, the likes of Becky K, had spent some time with Kari in the past but for a lot of those kind of younger amateur girls you know that's that's a name that's held up in the 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 mythology of Australian golf. She is the out and out goat of Australian golf. It's like having Michael Jordan come down to your bloody pickup game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not that the event is a pickup game, but no, you, know, uh, you know what I mean. The, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, it's it's, uh, it's nuts. Yeah, it certainly would have uh, ruffled a few feathers and maybe a few nerves in there. But um, no, I th- I think that having her involved only adds to the prestige of the event, and is um, hopefully it comes back next year as well.
1: Absolutely. Uh, also, I was speaking of winners, uh, a nod to Aaron Wilkin, um, who had a win at the Dubbo Open across the weekend. Uh, he, I think, is a, is a should be at least a future guest. We, we need yeah. to, to make that that contact, but he's a hell of a follow on social media. Quite a character, Aaron Wilkin. Looks like a good fellow. Um, so a win for him at the Dubbo Open over the weekend. Men's, obviously, we've got the Players series continuing at Bonnie Doon in a couple of weeks, and then all eyes turn to Pelican Waters, on Queensland Sunshine Coast for the Queensland Open. So Are you going, so, uh, look, still trying to make that work. There's a couple of things in the schedule, but uh, I'll get on the on the Bruce, make that uh, hour 15 trip up. It's a beautiful course, Pelican Waters. Nice drive. Uh, gives me fond memories. I cast my mom back 12 months ago. I was. Um, walking the course and, and having a few um, cold beers with with Wazza. So that's uh, fond fond memories of of this tournament 12 months ago. Yes. Also uh, following uh, Blake Windred around, other mate of the, the podcast. So hell of a tournament up there at Pelican Waters. I'm hoping to carve out some time to get up the coast and get along. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's an exciting couple of weeks for the, uh, for the men coming up as well. It is. Uh, and, of course, this week um,
0: on the PGA Tour, we have our first WGC and uh, the Workday Championship at the Concession, of course, um, up in the states because of the COVID situation. Not down in Mexico, which is disappointing. But you know, we'll miss it. We'll miss our mate on the on the first tee. Gotta work out what that bloke's name is, don't we? Um, yeah, we should have him on. <laughs> we- Reach out. Jesus, I mean, we have enough trouble just getting interviews yeah, done in Australia. Let's just settle down.
1: Speaking what of notches. United... <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, maybe we'll go to Mexico when everything settles down. Um, speaking of interviews, uh, coming up on Thursday, we have a man who is teeing it up in the WGC, which is going to be very exciting. Wade Ormsby, mm. the Aussie, um, mm. was an exceptional chat. Up at six thirty in the morning, over in America, over in Florida, um, to have a chat to us very generous with his time very funny man um and i think everyone is going to enjoy listening to wade's story um and having a chat about how i I guess we we spoke ad nauseum it wasn't it wasn't really as much about wade's career as we probably could have gone on with but we we did speak quite a bit about uh the the uniqueness of 2020 and and how tough it's been on him having a family and the quarantine and all of that sort of stuff so very interesting chat and i recommend everyone tunes in uh, and listens to that on thursday that will be coming out
1: looking forward to it he was he was generous with his time too because he got up and made sure we um we we had some time with him before he had a lesson yes so it was good of him to and jeez he took us gave us a bit of insight about some of the courses he's been playing and places he's been spending his time over there in florida the epicenter of the gulf universe yeah. exceptional so yes very entertaining. Look forward to uh, look forward to not just playing that for the listeners, but also seeing how you know, Wade progresses across the weekend with a few other Aussies in the field as well. Correct. Very much looking forward to that tournament. All right, Drew Star. that will probably do us. That will. Outstanding, my friend. Look forward to wrapping up the WGC uh, next week and still some exciting names post-weight arm speed to come as well. Uh, If you haven't had a listen back to the last few, Louis Dobler, Ewan Porter, over two parts, outstanding. Yes. So make sure you do that. Get that in your ears. And until next time, uh, head down, swing true and straight. See you, mate.